0: It's a New York Knicks playoff special, counting down to the Eastern Conference semifinals game one. Now, here's Ty Butler.
1: Now, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Ty Butler going until 1230 this afternoon right here on ninety eight seven ESPN as we are previewing game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals. You heard it. Knicks Heat at the Garden, Game 1 this afternoon. That is a 12.30 pregame with the 1 o'clock tip-off right here on 98.7 ESPN. At some point in the show, we'll talk about... Uh We'll hit on what happened in the NFL draft with the Jets and Giants. We'll talk Aaron Rodgers. We will uh, look at what's going on with the Mets and the Yankees. But predominantly, we're going to be doing a lot of hoops today. Alan Hahn's going to join us at some point during the show uh, to give his perspective. I believe he's going to be on the radio call for game two of this series. So excited to talk to him. Nick Wright's going to join us to talk NBA playoffs. So we've got a ton to do. 800 919 3776. Ty D Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Speaking of Twitter and Instagram, I was scrolling through my phone the other day, and I had this app that some of you might be familiar with called TimeHop, and it captures you know, moments that occurred on social media in your phone a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. You get the point, and I stumbled across this tweet from LeBron James, and it read, the NBA is so much better when the Knicks are good. And this was two years ago when they were in the playoffs playing that first round series uh, against Atlanta. So from the words of the face of the NBA, at least the last decade and a half, he says the league is better when the Knicks are good. The league is better when the Knicks are good, and today we get to preview a big game between the Knicks and the Heat. The last time the Knicks won a playoff series, you got to think about how long it's been prior to beating the Cavs, disposing them in five games. The last time they won a playoff series, Carmelo Anthony was the leading scorer, Jason Kidd, your backup point guard, and Jalen Brunson, who's now become the star of the team and one of the stars of the league, was only 16 years old, so... It's been a while, it's been a long time, and I would say that if you're listening to this, you could be the most optimistic Knicks fan. You can be someone who the grass is always green, the sun is always shining. There is no chance before the season you would have predicted this team would be here. You would be waking up this morning, putting your your Knicks t-shirt, Knicks sweatshirt, Knicks hat on, you know, preparing to either go to the garden or go to your living room to watch a Knicks team play at home in the second round of this of this NBA playoffs, hosting a, a a playoff series in Game One against the Heat. So we 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 get to how all of this happened, and we'll break down the game. We'll do the matchups in about ten minutes. I'll give you my prediction. But how do we get here? The Knicks, to their credit, put them in put themselves in position to capitalize on on things that went wrong in the Eastern Conference. Remember, the Nets were supposed to be this this contender. While Kevin Durant gets hurt, they break up. So you eliminate them from the equation. The Raptors are supposed to be good. They stunk. The The Hawks traded for De, DeJounte Murray. They were supposed to take that next step. They stunk. And the Bucks get bounced in the first round by Miami, who you'll play today. So all of that equals the Knicks. Putting themselves in great position to capitalize on things that went awry around them, and now they find themselves with the golden golden opportunity to get to the Eastern Conference uh, final. So, a ton of credit is deserved by the front office, Leon Rose, Worldwide West, and the, the 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 fact that they put this roster together and they go out there and get Jalen Brunson. Uh, you you can't find enough words and superlatives to describe how big of a move that was and what a disaster for the Mavericks. And then Tom Thibodeau, who said, you know what, relationships be damned. I've got to play the best players, put my my team in best position to compete. And once you went to that nine-man rotation, uh, things changed for the Knicks. So I first snickered at fans who were storming the streets following that Game 1 victory against the Cavs because I'm like, man— does it really call for all of that? Was that a little bit too much? You didn't really accomplish anything yet. There's still a lot uh, to play for. You won one playoff game, and you're shutting down 7th Avenue. So I snickered at it. I laughed at it. And then I, I put my own two cents in there because I'm a Laker fan, and I'm questioning, uh, are we storming the streets of, of 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 L.A. at the Crypto.com Arena after you beat the Grizzlies in Game 1? Because I possibly couldn't understand you know, rooting for a team this start for success that they'd react this way following a playoff win, but of course that was wrong because I do in fact root for a team just like that. I- I'm a New York Jets fan, so I I understand. I I I get that there's been such a struggle. I understand that you've you've gone season after season with hope and hope only to be punched in the mouth. With the reality that this organization has just been overcome by failure after failure, so I understand if you're out there, you know, celebrating after a playoff wins. I get it. You're so hungry. You're you're starving for success. And it finally comes. You can taste it. And now you have every reason to dream about what lies ahead, because the path that is unfolding presents a a golden opportunity for you to, you know, not just win one playoff series, but make some noise and see how far you can take this thing. So I understand. I get it. It dawned on me. You can't be the New York Jet fan laughing at Nick fans for celebrating because that would be me next season now that we have Aaron Rodgers. So Nick fans out there you have been dying dying for a marquee free agent to say that they want to come play here. How many off seasons have have we gone into it with all right here is the ideal situation. These guys are star free agents. They want to come play in the Mecca of basketball only to see them go to other teams. You've been starving for that marquee free agent, and at the time, we didn't know he was as marquee as he was, but insert Jalen Brunson into the equation, uh, the equation, and he changes the, the landscape of this team. You've been starving, excited, Really looking forward to, to having a team you can gravitate toward, one that you can know and and appreciate that night in and night out, we might not win every game, but at least we're gonna compete. We're gonna fight hard, we're gonna get great coaching. And that's what you got this year. A good season after a ten and thirteen start, you found your way as the number five seed. You've wanted relevant basketball for years, and you earned your just your second playoff berth in the last decade. And now today. After all of the failed head coaches and GMs, all of the miseries, all of the dumpster fires that have unsuccessfully uh, been put out by the next guy who was supposed to come in and change the equation, the next guy who was supposed to come in and, and, and get this organization back to greener pastures. Today, you are what four hours away from watching a Nick team be four wins away from the Eastern Conference finals and place. You only dreamed about because you haven't been there in 23 years. So, as the great Aubrey Graham said, Drake, one of the greatest rappers of all time, what a time to be. Alive eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 800-919-3776. I want to hear from the Knicks fans. You're on your way to the Garden. You're on your way to, you know, to pregame outside the Garden because, I mean, you can't be the guy who's going to spend $25 on a beer, so you got to find a way to pregame before you get into uh, into the arena. But if you're on your way there or if you're home, you're driving around running errands before the big game today, we want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. You did not know you would be here. Now you are here. So it's time to talk about it. We hear from you next. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're rolling until 1230 right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: It's a New York Knicks playoff special. Counting down to the Eastern Conference semifinals game one. Now, here's Ty Butler.
1: Got to get destroyed for something he said earlier. He he is a Net fan, and I asked him who his allegiance is to because I didn't know he was a Net fan. I said, like, where do your allegiances lie as far as the NBA is concerned? And he said, I'm a Nets fan, but I—and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to misquote you, but you said, I am a Nets fan with a soft side for the Knicks.
2: Yeah, that's correct. See, what happens when you produce these games for the Knicks radio network, uh, you start to become attached to the teams that you uh, broadcast for, and that goes for teams outside the Knicks as well. I remember even talking with Rick on the morning show at one point saying, I'm an Isles fan, but I don't hate the Rangers, and I got eviscerated for that yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a bad job by you. Yeah, that was a bad job by me. I didn't really think myself uh, through on that one, but uh, I don't know. I'm just not as much an avid like basketball viewer, so maybe I just don't really feel that. You're hatred. a fraud. You're a fraud. Yeah, I, mean, I know i fraud. You can't
1: a fraud. be a Net fan saying you have a soft side for the team that occupies the same real estate. That would, like, that would be like a Yankee fan saying they have a soft side for the Mets or Jets saying that about the Giants makes you a fraud so we can render your opinions on this program useless, as a, at least as it pertains to basketball. Hey. So I, I, that's just all there is to hey, it. Hey,
2: listen, I try and bring people together like Gordon does. So you know what? I have a soft spot for the bing bong.
1: <gasps> bing bong! 800 <laughs> 919 Listen, I told the bosses... You got to find a really good reason to, to, to get me to miss Sunday morning church service. Uh, and this was a good reason. Nick's heat at the Garden. Game one today. Uh, pre-game coming your way in three hours. So we'll talk to Alan Hahn at 1015. 11 o'clock, we'll talk to Nick Wright. But uh, until then, let's talk to you. 800-919-3776. We head to White Plains. Batting leadoff is Brad. What's up, Brad? Let's Let's, let's get it popping. What's going on?
0: Good morning. I am. I am. Let's get it popping with the New York Knicks. Okay. Let's, let's go, hear Go, New York. Go, New York. Go. Talk about go. it go. This is the day. Talk about, about it. Talk today. about it. Okay. Go way back to 70 and 73. So ready to go now. <laughs> Question for you. What do we do with Julius Randle? We know he's injured, but look at the energy Tobin brings. Is Tibbs going to pull the plug and sit him in the fourth quarter if need be? What's your thoughts?
1: Well, listen, I, I think Tom Thibodeau has shown you, and I appreciate the call, that if this if the circumstance, uh, the circumstance is going to dictate the decision making. There, there there are uh, facts over feelings when it comes to winning basketball game. And the fact is that the lineup he ran out there. and You're talking about game four against the Cavs. The lineup he ran out there that had Randall on the bench gave them the best opportunity to take a stranglehold on the series. So look, you love your players. You do everything. You ride or die for them. But if there is a situation that calls for other guys like Toppin, as you mentioned, to be on the floor because he's giving you better minutes. And by the way, let's not crush Randall. There's a reason why he had he had the inefficient series against the Cavs. And I know we go back to that talk series and we hold it against him. Randall isn't 100% healthy. And then he re-injured himself in, in the first half of game five in that, that game against Cleveland. So that, that, not that it's an excuse, but there's a reason why the level of play doesn't look like it was during the regular season. But as far as, you know, Tom Thibodeau, he, he's going to play his best players. And if that means uh, a guy who you rely on just doesn't have it at the time, I'm trying to win a championship. I can't be concerned about—and this is what frustrates me so much when I watch these, these NBA playoffs—coaches who are, have such an allegiance to, you know, rotations— and things they did in the regular season. I got to rest guys. I got to sit guys. You no, know, Steve Kerr, I believe it was headed into game six against the Kings. He's like, look, uh, Steph's probably going to sit five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half. You, The best coaches understand you got to make adjustments that aren't just X's and O's. It's about <laughs> the rotations and the players you, you sent out there. And I think Tom Thibodeau has shown that, he is going to 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 make decisions that that are tough, but as long as the team is winning games, uh, you can appreciate what he's doing. Uh, we head to Brooklyn to talk to Jose. What's up, Jose? Hey,
3: good morning, Ty. What's up? Uh, oh man, e- easy on the word fraud, man. You're, 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 that, that's a little harsh. You cannot kind of be judgmental. A, listen,
1: uh, judgmental. <laughs> uh, have you ever listened to radio? You can't be a <laughs> Nets fan with a soft spot soft spot for the Knicks. Hey, that that you term guys, soft don't, spot. Just...
3: Don't you guys have Don Legreco, who grew up as a Devils fan but now the Ranger fan because he announced their games and stuff, man? Yeah, and
1: Dave has called him <laughs> off for that. And now, now, part of it is Don is his dream was to I become a Rocky, uh, Rocky uh, a Rocky, a play by play announcer for hockey. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's working for the Rangers, so what are you wanting to do? But it, 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 that's not the same thing as what Tom Bowers is doing. So you can't excuse that behavior. But let me hear what you got for this uh, game one prediction.
3: Oh, man. Oh, this is going to be very exciting. I think that the Knicks can, um are going to win game one. I think the atmosphere and the. And the um, Um, preparation for this game is going to be definitely great. And I got the Knicks in six. I'm just a little concerned with Jimmy Butler because I do believe Jimmy Butler is that dude. Unlike Donovan Mitchell, um, he actually elevates everybody else's play through his leadership and gets everybody else to play above their head. And
1: with them being injured and kind of like that wounded dog, I do expect them to steal at least a couple of games from us. Listen, I appreciate the call, uh, Jose. I I don't know that in order to uh, give adulation to Jimmy Butler, we got to denigrate Donovan Mitchell. We had a tough playoff series, and we have seen some flameouts. As good as he is, and he has elevated his play in the playoffs, we have seen some flameouts. We saw them in Utah, and in his first. Go around with the Cavs, losing in five and not having a single good game after Game One is gonna go on your resume. But but look, you know, Jimmy Butler is a guy you have to be deathly afraid of. This series is so interesting because like the Knicks on paper are the better team with home court, but Jimmy Butler does strike a level of fear in your heart that has to give you some trepidation. Just as far as, you know, going out there and winning this series. But We've seen a team with the best player lose the series. We saw Milwaukee with Giannis as the best player lose to Miami. We saw the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell as the best player. Lose to the Knicks. So customarily we've we've grown to see that usually you if you're a team, you have the best player. Uh, you you probably go on to win the series, but that wasn't the case the last round for these two teams, which is why that creates you know such such intrigue uh, with with this matchup between the Knicks and the Heat. Let's go to Flushing and we talk to Emmanuel. What's up, Emmanuel?
3: What's up, Todd? How you doing?
1: I'm I'm doing well, man. What's up? What's up?
3: Yeah, man. So I'm going. I'm I'm, I'm excited for the game today. Hopefully we get a win. I mean, listen, you talk about Jimmy Butler, but he ain't the only one I should be worried. about. I also worry about the other guys in the Heat. Guys like Gabe, Gabe, um, Vincent, and also Duncan Robinson, and and even Kevin Love. I mean, in Carolina. I mean, I know these guys are not the same player they used to be to their age, but they can be contribute to to the to Heat other than Jimmy Butler. Because you remember the regular season, the, the Heat were terrible when it comes to their offense, but they kind of pick it up in the playoffs. And in the Milwaukee, I mean. I mean, you I mean, it's just amazing of how the playoff out the playoffs is different than the regular season. But in in my opinion, uh, in your opinion, who is your X factor of the Knicks again in the series, not me either, either um, who's the X factor of the Knicks and who's the x factor of the Heat?
1: Uh it's a good question. So let's start with what you just said about and I appreciate the call, Emmanuel. Uh what you just said about uh, what Miami was able to do, the other guys against the Bucks. What's so impressive to me and why it creates such conflict in my mind is, like, Miami was just not a good team during the regular season. And that continued into the play-in where they lost to Atlanta and now fell to that, you know, that that second matchup where they had to beat the Bulls in order to just get into the playoffs. And then they go on and they're averaging, what, a buck 24 on the fourth-best defense in Milwaukee. Now, part of that is Giannis plays 11 minutes in the first three games, so you lose your best defensive player. It's going to compromise your defensive efficiency. But uh, we can't ignore what Miami did to Milwaukee. The conflict for me is, is Miami as good as they looked against Milwaukee, or did the Bucs just choke in that series and were plagued by the Giannis injury? And for the Knicks, were they as good as they looked against the Cavs? Or did we somehow overrate the Cavs? That's the conflict. We still don't know what the ceiling is for these two teams just because we don't know how to judge what happened in, in the previous series, which is why this uh, this 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 series, to me, is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. It's got the historical perspective. You go back to the 90s with those Knicks Heat battles. Uh, but you know, th- as far as the X factors, Mitchell Robinson was a game-changer. Uh, against the Cavs. They just had no answer for him. Cleveland made him look like Will Chamberlain on the boards. And the Knicks' offense wasn't as efficient as it was during the regular season, but it was aided by the second and third and fourth chance opportunities. So even if you miss a shot, Mitchell Robinson's cleaning up the glass. He's getting a rebound. Now he's kicking out to an open shooter or he's kicking out to a guy driving. Four and a half court, you got to throw so many bodies at Mitchell Robinson. These guys, the other Knicks, Hart and R.J. Barrett and Randall and Brunson, are now getting in, into the lane uncontested on that second-chance opportunity because you're so concerned about the gravity of, of Mitchell Robinson on the boards. So I think he comes into this series as the X Factor. I don't know that he's going to dominate the way that he did against the Cavs, Bigs, but he's the X factor because he's an eraser defensively. You get into the lane, he's a, he is a force. And then on offense, not that you're running plays for him, but as I mentioned, those second and third chance opportunities are just critical on possessions where you can play 24 seconds of elite defense, he gets the rebound, and that's just like a backbreaker. And for Miami, it's got to be it's a bunch of guys. Because Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are their two stars. And once you lose Tyler Hero, who's your best three-point shooter, and Victor Oladipo, who's one of your best perimeter defenders, like that's significant. So it's a bunch of guys from Miami. It's Max Struz, it's Gabe Vincent, Kevin Love, who the Cavs just gave away for whatever reason at, at the deadline, bought him out. He's the next factor. Cody's. I mean, it. it this. This. It, it defies logic that Miami is in this situation today in the second round with that roster. It defies logic. 800-919-3776. See the phone calls are coming in. We'll continue to get to you. Once again, forty five minutes from now, we'll talk to Alan Hahn. and in eleven o'clock hour, we'll talk to Nick Wright. But I want to hear from you, Nick fans. Let's go. Let, let let let's do it. You haven't been here in a long time, so you you ought to be excited. And I can't imagine. The atmosphere that is going to be there if they find a way to beat the heat today uh, outside of the garden. 7th Avenue shutdown, 8th Avenue shutdown. Man, oh, man, what a time to be alive. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls and my series prediction coming up next right here on
0: 987 ESPN. It's a New York Knicks playoff special counting down to the Eastern Conference semifinals game one. Now here's Ty Butler.
1: Jimmy was just fantastic in that last series uh, against the Bucs, shot 64% from the field and 44% from three. I think he averaged something like 36 points per game in the series was incredible, had the 56-point special, had the game-tying shot at the end of regulation in the Game 5 in Milwaukee. So we know he's not going to be phased by the moment. He's not going to be overwhelmed by the noise of the crowd and, you know, trash talk. That's not something that's going to compromise him. Jimmy Butler, by the way, carving out a pretty nice career for himself. It's just so... It's just so funny to see, like, the dichotomy between what he is in a regular season and how he's viewed versus what he becomes in the playoffs. Because if you're someone who doesn't watch regular season basketball and you just turn on your TV during the playoffs, you watch Jimmy Butler, and you're like, well, why isn't he mentioned as one of the five best players in basketball? I hear about Giannis. I hear about Steph. I hear about KD. Why do I never hear about Jimmy Butler? It was because Jimmy Butler during a regular season is a really good player. He's an all-star level player. But he's not this guy. And playoff Jimmy is a real thing. He was the best player on a team that was in the finals in 2020. He came within a shot of being back in the finals last year in a game seven against the Celtics. Playoff Jimmy is a real thing. And that is a guy who we all have our eyes on in this series. We'll see what the Knicks do. The Bucks just were awful at defending him. Too much one-on-one. At some point when he's cooking you, you got to throw double teams at him. But Jimmy Butler, uh, he's going to be something special to watch in this series. And you wonder if the Knicks have, will have an answer for him. But if, if there's any team, especially in this conference, of the remaining teams, you know, left of the four teams that will— present a challenge for him, it will be this Nick defense. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 3776 We head to New Jersey to talk to Mel. What's up, Mel?
3: Hey Ty, good morning. Um, so, man, I like to say, oh, first thing first, can I make this Knicks nice points? Because I'm a Nets fan too. And so now I'm just rooting for the NBA now that, you know, just rooting for all the teams. But if the Knicks win, that means I get to go to a parade. So that's why I'm also rooting for the Knicks. You know, hopefully that goes all the way.
1: Wait, so you're now, you just said Knicks- you're a Nets fan rooting for the Knicks? because because there's a parade right oh, here is the Knicks 20 that you know That is terrible parade. let me give the people advice so the conversation was had with Tom Bauer who is a supposed net fan and and all of a sudden he has a soft spot for the Knicks we exposed him as a fraud if you're someone out there who feels the same way as him don't publicize it live your fraudulence <laughs> in secrecy you cannot be a net fan Rooting for the Knicks right now because you want to be a part of some some parade. And by the way, Nick uh, so, Knicks fans, the, the, the Knicks fan bouncers at said parade won't allow Net fans <laughs> to to intrude because they they understand that there is a there's a rivalry. But go ahead, make your point.
3: All right, all right. So um yeah, man, nobody expected the Knicks to hold Cleveland
1: under a hundred points for as many games as they did. So you know I'm I'm kind of holding them to that accountability of defense for the rest of the playoffs. And I feel like if they could do that, man,
3: anything possible, especially now that Milwaukee's out, I just see them going toe-to-toe with
1: Miami or uh, Philly or Boston and making it all the way to the finals. I might be a little optimistic. I'm going to definitely take it one day at a time. But, you know, I'm definitely expecting them to to play great defense because, you know, I'm pretty sure they can outscore other teams. They got the firepower for it. Yeah, I appreciate the call. I, I love the—I'm uh, going to take it one step at a time, one day at a time, but I can absolutely see us going to the finals. Let's take care of the heat first things first before we start to worry about who's going to come out of that other side of the bracket with Philly and Boston, by the way— Blow for the Sixers. Doc Rivers announcing yesterday that it looks like Joel and B might not even play in Game One. They've got no chance of beating the Celtics, who did look like you know a team that could be had in Games Five and Six against the Hawks, but they got no shot at beating them if uh, and is not healthy. Back to your point on the defense, the Knicks quietly were led by their offense during the regular season. Like we we know Tom Thibodeau for him being a defensive minded head coach in, in the, the previous playoff appearance two years ago when they got here with the Haw- against the Hawks, they were led by their defense. Their offense was really the struggle. This year, they were led by their offense. Only the South Six and the Kings were more efficient offensively than the Knicks, and they were 19th in defense. They did turn it up in that first round against the Cavs, and once you get a team, you know, playing them this the same team over the course of two weeks, you start to figure out their strengths and weaknesses, and the Knicks figured out for the Cavs that outside of Garland and Donovan Mitchell, they don't really have shot creators, and you're not worried about Evan Mobley and Jared Allen offensively. Evan Mobley just has a high upside, has a ceiling, but he's just not polished enough, especially when he's going against that Knicks physicality. Is that something that can continue in this series? Well, the Heat weren't great offensively, in the regular season, but they turned up on the bucks, uh last round. They shot something like 45% from three. Now, is that sustainable? I don't think so. I, I don't think shooting 45% from the beyond the arc is sustainable, especially against a good Nick defense. But don't take them lightly. Don't take them lightly. This this team, while it's going to experience, like, spurts where they can't score, they're going to be led by their defense, and I don't think they're going to get punished on the boards the way that the Cavs did. Let's go to Massapequa. We talked to Fran. What's up, Fran? What's up, kid? How you doing? Yo, man, I'm feeling great today. We've got
0: playoff hoops in New York City. I, I, I'm i oh. in a great mood. Oh, you're right. You got to love it. But I'm pissed off before I start because you should have got Saturday. If Dave ain't doing it, man, you were the perfect fit. And I'm not saying, you know, the other guy ain't doing a good job, but you should have got Saturday, and I hope that's down the road for you. I appreciate the love, great. man. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. I hope everything's good at, at home. But that know? shows in great
1: hands. Dan Grosser does a phenomenal job. That's, no, that's, my, homie. He, that's not, my homie. That's my homie. He's going to keep you guys covered. He, I appreciate the love, not but
0: not that's, that's, that's right, my guy. No knock on him, you know what I mean. Just because I like you, (laughs) but anyway, (laughs) what do you got on the next? All right, well, really quick, I I, I, just gonna throw these out there, and I'll listen for the answer because I know time's uh, short. Um, I got two hundred seven point five under, and I got Golden State to win money line. Those two games, I got uh, two I got two twenty five dollar parlays. I need those two to finish them to win eight eighty and eight sixteen. What do you think of that? Number two. I love you, man. I can't wait. To, I can't wait when we're playing in the, in the championship. The Lakers and the Knicks. <laughs> the throwback. Listen, I just huh? want to say, listen. I don't like Jimmy Buckets. I can't stand him. But listen to me. This, the Lakers. You take away LeBron, it's a whole different team. You take away any big guy like that. You take away Giannis, it's a different team when he's hurt. It's just different. That's it. So you know, kudos to Miami. You did what you got to do. Jimmy Bucket stepped up. Good for him. All right, but the bottom line is this you're coming into our home now. We're a better team, and I just think that we're going to smack them around. And that's the way I believe. I can't stand Miami. I loved Pat Riley. He's like the girlfriend that left you, and now you've got to watch him live down the block. You know, <laughs> I, I just, it's, I, listen, you, you do a great job. Keep it up, but I just can't stand, the, I can't stand the heat, and I agree with you. I'm an Islander fan. I can't stand the Rangers. I'm a Mets fan. I can't stand the, ne- uh, the Yankees. Would never rule for them. Because you're a real a fan. fan. Uh, all right. I'm a Knicks fan. I can't stand the Nets. I was. I was in. I was in the greatest mood when uh, all these guys left the Nets and they failed. That's the word. That's, that's what a fan is. Yo, that, who-
1: yeah, they are a rule. And I appreciate the call, friend. There are certain rules of engagement. There are. There are bylaws when it comes to fan rooting interest. You cannot be all in or supposedly all in on one team while there's another team in that city who is considered to be a rival you, you have a soft spot for. So that's a bad job by Tom Bauer. As far as um, the, the you're going to smack the heat around, look, you can be confident. I, I understand that. You, you have every right to feel like we can beat any team if we play our best brand of basketball. Now, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Julius Randle. It looks like he's going to try to give it a go today. Uh, Didn't really participate that much in practice. I thought last series him being compromised was going to hurt the Knicks, but it didn't. And I think that's the most impressive part of what they did to the Cavs. Because outside of game, the second quarter of game two was what won the Cavs that game. Where the, the Knicks were up and then the Cavs pushed the lead to 20 and the game was never close after that. Outside of that quarter, it felt like the Knicks dominated the rest of the series. The Cavs won one game, but even in the games the Knicks won, they weren't even all that competitive. Game three was a wash, they, and they were just overwhelmed by the MSG crowd, and that trickled into the first half of game four, where you know Darius Garland erupted in the third quarter and made it a game. The Cavs, I believe, took a three-point lead, but the Knicks quickly erased that. But outside of that, you know, Game one, they had the you know, ferocious comeback late. The Knicks were able to win because Josh Hart hit that big three. This series against Cleveland wasn't all that competitive, despite the fact that the Knicks, arguably their best player or their second best player, was compromised and not really a factor. That's the most impressive part of winning that series. So I understand the conviction and feeling like, look, we can beat this Miami team. We handled them pretty well during the regular season three or four times. We are better than them. They probably shouldn't have beaten the Bucks if Giannis didn't get hurt. So I, under- Giannis didn't get hurt, so I understand you feeling that way. I get it. I truly get it. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls. I did say I'm going to get to a series prediction. We're also going to talk about R.J. Barrett and the type of impact he can have in this series. And if folks should be apologizing for criticizing him. So there's still a lot to do. We're going until 1230, leading you into game one of Nixon Heat. Oh! Oh, it's a good time right here on 98.7 ESPN. It's a
0: New York Knicks playoff special. Counting down to the Eastern Conference semifinals game one. Now, here's Ty Butler.
1: 800 919 Back to the phone lines. We go to St. Pete to talk to Spike. My guy, Spike. Lay it on us, man.
3: I am your guy. Hey, first of all, I had to do a lot to get you to shift. I had to call the church. I had to get you out of your your, your religious commitment. Man. I had to call the management. I said, "This is the guy." And hey, easy on Tom Bauer. please. You know, the guy. Some guys are not like you and me. Where the NBA first, second, and third. Just busting But, even,
1: but it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to call yourself a fan of a team, I don't care where the sport falls on your power rankings you can't have a soft spot for the inner city rival that well, that just exposes pro- you but, but
3: you're, propo- you're promoting him to be what most fans are they hate the yankees or the mets you know some people just don't take it as seriously but i'll let that go i'm just having some fun with you and i see you smiling Listen, if Julius Randle, here's the problem with an ankle. And I got, you know, a guy I've been friends with all my life, played at a very high level until T one a lifetime ago. You can't play on an ankle that's 70 80%. Because you're going to re-injure it, and you're going to be done. So if he goes, he goes. I think Mitchell Robinson's the key. I think you made very terrific points, fine points about the – Cleveland didn't show up. They were soft. I told you this yesterday, the day before. I told you. Mobley, for th- third man in the defensive player of the year. And Jared Allen looked like he was a car value or so soft. Mitchell Robinson was throwing them off like they were children. I'm so, so glad I you brought up
1: Jared looked- Allen. I, I remember folks went nuts because the Nets included Jared Allen yeah. in a trade for James Harden. And folks are I, like, oh my goodness, you gave up well, Jared Allen? Stop it. Stop. Well, it well, was so ridiculous. It was well, always ridiculous.
3: Until they got this skinny kid. I forget the Claxton, name. Claxton. Right. Until they got Nick Claxton. Uh, you know Jared Allen was an integral piece in that team he gave them back line limb protection he no he did, was like, and
1: Jared Allen was an all star last year so, but, uh, but uh, we, we just saw him once again in a playoff series get thoroughly outplayed that's all was- I'm saying
3: Ty, they're young, they were intimidated, you went to the Garden, you're going again today, it's the craziest place in the world, I talked to Jose this morning, and he went to his first playoff game, and he's having some people over today, and he said it was everything and more, and he he says he was sitting way up, and that's the way it works sometimes. I'll tell you something, there's nothing like a playoff game in the Garden. It's better than the L.A., it's better than anywhere, but they're not winning. I think they got a young team. I think you're going to see the guards get rebounds. Their guards all rebound. I'm happy for two people. I'm happy for R.J. Barrett. Just continue to drive to the basket, go right once in a while. And I think Knicks haven't shot over 30% yet from three. So they should be due, but I'll leave you with this. It's great to have you on. This is a brilliant move by the station to put you on right before the Nick game. And enjoy the
1: game, enjoy every minute. Who's your prediction? Let me hear it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wait. So you said you're picking the Heat to win this series? No. Of course I'm not picking the Heat. I wouldn't pick. The,
3: I, I, wouldn't pick I wouldn't have picked the Heat if if. Uh, if uh, Pat Riley was my brother. For God's sake.
1: <laughs> I appreciate no. the call, Spike, and I appreciate the kind words. I got my prediction coming up in five minutes. Let's go to New Jersey to talk to Mark. Uh, what's up, Mark?
2: Thanks for taking my call this morning.
1: Thanks for making it, man. Let's hear it.
2: Uh, two th- Two things. Number one, I just think, like, the Heat, I mean, yeah, they caught Milwaukee. You know, I mean, I don't think Milwaukee was really, really that strong, obviously, to have Giannis. I mean, but this is kind of like playing a team that has like, you know, one or two good batters in a lineup. I mean, Jimmy Butler is that guy. The Knicks just cannot get, you know, like they they can't be outmanned, out-toughed, out-rebounded. I just think they're the more skilled team. I mean, Julius Randle, I mean, getting him healthy is going to be a big thing. I mean, he, I think even if he plays a few games in the series, I just think that the, the Knicks are the better team. I just don't see the Knicks losing this series. I mean, unless Jimmy Butler just is, continues to be a one-man wrecking crew and, and has to go out for 35-40. But the Knicks just showed you that besides one game when Garland and Mitchell were on, they did a good job at shutting down two pretty good offensive you know offensive players. So that's my, my first point. Um, My second point is what I really wanted to talk about. Another big game today besides game one is game seven. You've got yeah. the Kings who have absolutely nothing to lose. Mm. Nothing to lose. Mm. No, they have nothing to lose. They're a young team. They're a young, hungry team. You know, what's have a lot to lose, though. A lot to lose would be a guy that I think, in my opinion, gets a, kind of always like a little pass with things when they don't really go well. And that is, you know, the – the greatest shooter of all time. And Steph Curry, I mean, a a year ago, he won a title and carried this team. This is the same exact team. This is the same team that won a championship, and now they're going seven games. I mean, the Kings just showed you that they went in in an elimination game on the road and beat the world champions. They don't have anything to lose. But Steph, I mean, is he going to get a free pass here if he blows a 3-2 series lead that he could have closed at home? I don't care if you're the 60s. Well, here's the thing,
1: and I appreciate the call, Mark. So there's a lot to unpack there. The Kings, I I don't understand the argument that the number – what, three seed in a conference with a game seven at home has nothing to lose. I get like most of the pressures on Golden State because they're older. This might be their last chance, you know, with this iteration of the team to compete for a championship because who knows what's going to happen with Draymond Green, who's got a player option for next year. Uh, Looks like he might be looking for a big payday. But the Kings losing a Game 7 at home, yes, there's a lot to lose there. And they're a young team, so you would expect that they're not going anywhere. But that's not always promised. And, And because of what's happening in the conference right now, where you see... Uh, there is a path to beating Phoenix. There might be a path to beating Denver. There, There is a way for them to make some noise, and we just don't know what's going to change next year. So I, I, I would disagree with they have nothing to lose. Losing a Game 7 at home, yes, uh, there is something to lose there. For the Warriors, if they lose this game, it's the end of a dynasty. Um, It, it is question marks in the future about what this team is going to look like next year. One thing we're not going to question is Steph Curry's legacy. I think he proved last year he's one of the 12 greatest players in NBA history. He finally got that elusive Finals MVP. They were down two one against the Celtics, losing in Game Four, and then Steph Curry just did a tour de force on what great players that he put a tour de force on uh, of what great players look like, and he was incredible in that series, the best player, not even questioned, and he's now got four championships. So losing this series is a disappointment. It creates... Uh, it, it creates a conversation about like what the future looks like for the Warriors, but I'm not gonna sit here and say we're gonna impugn his legacy if they lose this game. You blew a three-two lead. I mean, come on, it's not blowing a three-one lead like they did in 2016. So I would disagree with that. 800-919-3776. Coming up next, we're gonna talk to Alan Hahn, who is on his way to the Garden. He's gonna be on the pregame show for MSG. He's also gonna be doing Game Two of the series on the radio. So we'll talk to Allen Hahn coming up next right here on 98.7. ESPN.